When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy day after Halloween, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful, safe, and fun Halloween if you decided to celebrate. If you don't do Halloween, that's totally cool too. Hope you just had a great little day. Let me know what you did down in the comment section below, whether it was celebrating or just spending time with family, watching a scary movie, listening to scary stories. Whatever it is, let me know down in the comment section below. We didn't do anything special. We didn't even watch a scary movie. Been really busy lately, so didn't really have time to do anything fun. Uh, but let me know down in the comment section below. Maybe you carved pumpkins. That's always fun. Did you go trick-or-treating? What'd you get if you did? What'd you dress up as for Halloween if you decided to? Alright, enough questions. Let's get into tonight's stories. It started with a phone call last Halloween. My girlfriend Susan made videos as a side job and hobby. And she'd had the idea for Halloween to walk the eight miles from her house to mine, recording the walk and any trick-or-treaters or decorations she saw along the way. While there weren't any real bad neighborhoods between us, I was still a bit worried about her traveling so far alone in the dark. She shut me up by pointing out that kids did it every year without any problem, so she should be just fine without a big, strong man to protect her. <laughs> I still didn't like the idea, but... I kept it myself after that. She was supposed to get to my house by around 9, and when I got the call from Susan at 8, I figured it was her saying she was running behind. And I had some smart comment ready for her, but it went out of my head when I heard her on the other end of the line. What's wrong? Are you okay? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I don't know. I... I think I'm being followed. Followed? By who? I don't know. Uh, okay, well, where are you? I'm about four miles away. I've... I've started taking more turns to keep on streets where there are more people, so it's slowing me down. Do you want me to come get you? No, I'm walking fast now, so I'll probably get there by the time you get your car off the back street and get down here and actually found me. There's tons of people out, so you wouldn't be able to move fast. Plus, I need... Just stay there and I'll explain, okay? Okay. 
okay. I... Why do you think someone's following you? There was a pause, and then... I saw a guy in a costume a couple miles back. Nothing fancy, just a black ski mask like a knockoff Jason in black hoodie and gray pants. No kids, no friends, just standing across the street looking a little creepy, which I mean by itself is perfect for Halloween, right? Right, yeah, but he started following you. I... I don't know. This all sounds so stupid saying it, but I... I need your help, so I'm going to go ahead. Sure, tell me what happened. So I saw him across the street, and he was low-key creepy, but... That was at first. But then... He turned to look at me, and I felt my heart beating faster. I was really scared, even though he hadn't done anything. I was already recording him by that point, and having the feeling that made me want to record him more, like, for proof of evidence or something, I I, I don't know, but... And he started walking across the street toward me. I panicked and started walking away faster. I went half a block, and then I looked back real quick. He wasn't behind me. I frowned at my phone. Uh, okay, so he's not following you anymore. No, you don't understand. I thought the same thing at first. I still had that same feeling, that scary feeling like when he first looked at me, but I thought it was just nerves. I slowed down a little, even took some breaths and ran back the footage on my camera so I could see him again on the video. And... Her voice started shaking more as she blurted out the next. He wasn't there. Like you didn't record him like you thought? No, I have the recording from across the street where he was standing. There were these three little girls dressed up like Alvin and the Chickmunks or something, and they were super cute and they stood out. He was like 15 feet from them. No way he wasn't in the frame, and that's before I started focusing on him. Then what? It's like he's been erased from it. I can't see him on it anymore, even though I know he's there. So if this is some weird Halloween prank, it's stop, please, stop. I swear to God, I am not joking. And I need you to listen to me before I run out of time. Run out of Susan, if you think you're in danger, I'm coming and you should call 911. I don't think that'll help. I'll explain, just... Let me talk and do what I ask, okay? Fuck. Okay, tell me. Okay. So, I knew I had recorded him and I had the footage he should be in, but he wasn't there anymore. It really freaked me out. I wondered if he'd gone invisible somehow, but that was crazy, and I'd seen him through the camera. So how would he not show up on the recording of what I'd seen? I almost called you then, but I thought I was overreacting, so instead I just ducked into a pharmacy for a few minutes. Did you watch to see if he followed you in? I did. 
had gone down one of the aisles and stood watching the front of the store. No one went in or out that I saw, and after a couple of minutes I was starting to think I'd either lost him or that I really was going crazy, but... That's when it happened. I felt my mouth go dry. What happened? The cashier. Some little old man up front. I saw him look up from his newspaper and stare at the front door. He waved his hand and said, No mask in the store, please. Thank you. Then he nodded and looked back down. Jeremy, there was no one there. I could see where he was looking, and I couldn't see a person there. I hadn't seen the door open after I came in. I hadn't heard the electronic door chime it made when I came through. Nothing. But he was talking to someone, could see someone that I couldn't see anymore. Wait. You're saying that this hockey mask guy has somehow gone invisible for you, but not for other people, and now he's stalking you? I... I don't think it's invisible, really. It's like I'm blind to him. That's why I can't see him on the video either, but I'm hoping that you can. Well, maybe. I mean, I can look when you get here, sure, but... Are you sure you listen to me? You don't understand. The video recording. I have it set up where it's streaming to my private folder on my live stream platform. I was going to go through and edit it in the morning and post it tomorrow, but that doesn't help me now. If I text you the address and log in, can you get on and watch the footage? See if you can see him. I mean, sure, I can, but can we just do it when you get here? No. I can... Fuck. I can still feel his eyes on me. I need to know where he's at and how far away. I need to know if he's getting closer and if I run, if I'm running away from him or toward him. A shiver went down my spine. Fuck this. I'm calling the cops. No! No. It won't matter. They won't believe me and they won't find me in time. I need you to do this for me, please. Shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just, just, just tell me what to do. I felt my phone buzz as the text came through. Is this the... Okay, going and logging in now. Okay, great. You've seen me post stuff before, but just... When you get into my account, go to private folder in the live stream. It should be filled with videos in 15-minute blocks at first, but then, starting 10 minutes ago, it's going to be in 30-second blocks instead. Just sort by upload time to get to the right order. Alright, give me a second. Okay, I'm there. Do I... Go to the most recent one. Yeah, click on it. A player should pop up. I did as she asked, and a view of the street filled my screen. I could hear Susan saying, I can still feel his eyes on me. And I was about to tell her it was working when the camera panned behind her. Oh, God. What is it? What do you see? Do you see him? I did. He was probably 30 feet back, 
walking directly behind her just as she described. Black hockey mask, a hoodie above dark gray work pants. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I see him. He's he's still following you. He's right behind you. Back a little. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck. You really can't see him? No, fuck me. I can't. I mean... That's footage from like a minute or more ago, but I've been looking back every few seconds since I left the pharmacy, but... That's what you need to remember. I changed it to upload every 30 seconds while we've been talking. Reduced the quality and bitrate some too. Each 30 seconds footage should take about 15 seconds to upload when you can see it. So I'll only have about a minute delay between the recording and you telling me what you see. Yeah, okay, uh... I'm clicking on the new one that just popped up. You're walking by that pizza place that sucks on this one. Sure, I just did that a minute or two ago. Do you still see him? Fuck. Yes, he's still back there. I think he's walking faster, but he's still back the same amount. It's because I'm walking faster. Trying not to run because I don't know if he can run me down, and I don't know if anyone can help me if he does. What do you mean? If he gets any closer, you should start screaming and scare him off until I can get there. Jeremy, think about it. If he can make me not see him, what else can he do? Who's to say he can't make himself invisible to everybody around us? Maybe me, too. I don't know what he is or what he can do, but now that I know you've seen him and it's all real, I have to be smart about it. If I can get to you and we lock the door, maybe he can't follow me and he'll give up. Yeah, I can see what you... The new one, I'm looking now. Okay. I tried to spend more time pointed backward this time, so... You need to speed up. He's closer now. A lot closer. You... I think you need to run. Jeremy, are you sure? If I run, he'll know I know, and he may run. Please, Sue, run. No reply then. Just the jostle and rustle of her arms and clothes moving as she broke into a run, her breath growing louder and more strained over the tiny mic in her earbuds. She had probably three miles left to go, but she was in good shape and was fast. She could do it, and I keep watching to help her. The next video popped up, and I watched as the man grew even closer before the camera began to twist and jostle as Sue began to run away from him. Even though she was probably scared out of her mind, she remembered to keep turning her camera this way and that, though mainly she held it pointing backwards now. I caught out that he was still behind her, walking fast but not running. At least not yet. Okay, okay, just keep watching. The next one she did another pan, but it was too jerky and the light was worse on that stretch of street. I caught a glimpse of him further back, but that was all. Honey, I know it's hard, but try to keep it back and steady. I, I can't see you much in that last one. Okay, I will. The next one started being smoother halfway through, and I had a happy moment where I thought he was gone for good. But the street was thinning out as it grew later, and I could still distantly see the area I'd glimpsed in the last video. He wasn't there either. So either he'd given up, or... I tried to keep the terror out of my voice as I called to her. Sue, try to look around. I I don't think he's behind you anymore, but just make sure. 
I heard a soft thud and a grunt from the other end of the line. Sue, what's happening? I... I'm okay, I just... hit something. It's dark down here. What did you say? Handshaking, I started heading out to the street to get my car. I just... Look around with your camera, sweetie. I've got the videos pulled up on my phone now. I'm coming to get you. No, I don't want him to see you. Just stay and I'll come there and you can buzz me in. I... Oh, God, I can feel him looking at me. Sue, just run. I'm afraid. I... I think he's here with me. Jumping into my car, I cranked it and I hit the button to play the next video file. The first few seconds were her still running with the camera pointed back and then her hitting something and falling onto the sidewalk. Sue? Are you there? It was in the last seven seconds that she lifted the phone to look in front of her. It was there, towering over her, draining all the light from the world. I screamed her name again, but... I got no reply. I never found her. Neither did her family or the cops. I gave them a copy of the videos, of course, but they didn't believe my statement, and the videos by themselves weren't much to go on. I think they gave up on it within the first month, but I've held out hope and kept working to find her. Most of that has just been rehashing that night. Replaying the memories in my mind and watching all the footage she took before and after he noticed her. I've always known it was real. Some people, even her own brother, suggested that maybe she just bailed on her life like people sometimes do, or this is some harebrained scheme to get internet popularity. Except none of these videos are on the internet, and it seems most people have just accepted that she's gone. Like, it's easier to have her taken from the world than accept there's something like that thing that got her in it. But I've always known. First, Sue wasn't a liar, least of all to me. And I heard how she sounded, both on the videos, but on our call, too. She was terrified. And despite trying to help, I failed her. That's why I keep forcing myself to hope. And every week, I take the time to go through the videos again, wishing I'd finally see something different. Last night, I finally did. I should have known it was coming, of course. I felt my skin prickle two days ago, and there's been an electric buzz in the back of my head ever since. Sometimes it's stronger or weaker, but it's never left since it started. But it wasn't until I sat down after work yesterday to go back through the videos, my Sunday ritual, that I saw the change. That thing that took my girl from me last Halloween. I can't see him anymore. I first met the unicorn while I was being hunted. 
plunged my bike down into a rocky drainage ditch, slammed on the brakes, and threw myself behind a large bush. I heard the remorseless grumble of the black pickup truck slowly inch by. They were looking for me, Boy Gossett and his brother Clint. Ever since they told me they were going to kick my ass after class, I knew they'd be coming for me. As soon as the end of the day bell rang, I made a beeline for my bike and took off like a rocket. Face down in a drainage ditch, I could hear the tire crunch of gravel above me. I imagined them scanning the bushes like predatory birds looking for a mouse. They hadn't seen where I'd went, otherwise they'd be down here in the ditch, hooting and hollering about the pounding I was about to receive. Their engine flared and sputtered a complaint. I heard the truck drive away until there was barely an audible hum in the distance. I tried to breathe a sigh of relief, but I was too busy hyperventilating. I remained unmoving in the dirt. With the truck gone, an uncanny peace prevailed. There was no wind, no traffic, no noise beyond my own labored breathing. But I heard something. Somewhere in this undisturbed silence, I thought I could hear crying. Beside me, a moss-covered culvert peered out of the ground. I stuck my head inside, and the crying was louder. There was enough room for me to enter, so I ducked my head, brushed aside a curtain of hanging foliage, and entered. The tunnel led into darkness. I turned on my cell phone flashlight and carefully inched my way through the muck. The deeper I went, the more the crying took on a surreal, musical quality. It wasn't like anything I'd ever heard before. It expressed an intense sadness, blended with a mystique of innocence. The tunnel opened up into an underground grotto that was illuminated by a thin crack in the ceiling. It was cool and damp inside, and I could hear the steady drip of water. Inside, I propped up against a brick wall. I found a young girl of around eight years old. Hello? Someone in here? Even in the dim light, I could observe the girl's uh, unusual constitution. She had a youthful, innocent face, unkempt, silverly blonde hair, and bluish-white eyes. She wore an oversized t-shirt that covered much of her body, and at first I thought it was just a torso and a head, but then I looked closer and saw her arms and legs were deformed, misshapen flaps of skin. Her child-sized body was rimmed with undersized caricatures of real limbs. She could never walk with those feet or pick up with those hands. I wasn't even sure how she held herself up. Most striking of all was the growth of a single, rigid, six-inch-long, cutaneous horn. It was reflective silver and looked sharp as a dagger. It didn't appear to weigh her head down at all. It was grotesque and disturbing, yet beautiful. And then she spoke to me. Hello, Matthew. I've been waiting for a long time to see you. She had the voice of an exhausted child, and her words hinted at a German accent. How do you know my name? I stammered. Are you okay? Are you hurt? What are you doing down here? I'm so tired, she said, straining on every word. 
please. I need your help. Sure, anything. Just tell me what I can do. I can call an ambulance or the police. No, you cannot tell anyone that I'm here, she pleaded abruptly, agitated. Please. It must be a secret. If you tell anyone about me, my world collapses. You must promise not to tell anyone. She started rocking, and I thought she would topple over. Yes, of course, I promise, I said. Whatever you need, I'll get it for you. Thank you. I always knew you'd be my guardian. I haven't eaten in so long. I'm so hungry. Please, bring me uncooked chicken wings. If you could do this, I'll make everything better. Chicken wings. <laughs> I can do that. I'll go get them right now. I'll be super quick, as long as I don't see... I trailed off, remembering the brothers and their abominable black pickup. The gossets will not trouble you for today, she said. I can feel their rage. After what you did to them, their anger burns bright like a beacon. Wait, uh, how do you know about the gossets? And why are you down here? Who are you? Are you German? I had a million questions, and I blurted them out in a machine gun jumble. Most of all, I wanted to ask about the horn and the deformities, but I was afraid to. Please, bring me chicken wings and I'll answer your questions. At least tell me your name. You know mine, it's only fair. I crossed my arms like I meant it. My name is Levin, she said. Levin Sunworth's Levin, but please never call me by my full name. That's a very pretty name. Okay, Levin. I'll be back. Don't go anywhere. I left the underground chamber, brushed off my bike, and pedaled for town. Even though she assured me that the gossets wouldn't bother me, I still kept a wary eye open for them. The gossets may be the worst two people on the planet. They've tormented me daily for years, from elementary school teasing to high school beatings. I can't count the varieties of torture they've put me through. I've always been an easy victim, passive, never willing to stand my ground. I apologized when they hurt their fists punching me, and my weakness only emboldened them. But then I went and took matters into my own hands. I wanted to do something meaningful that would leave deep scars that refused to heal. I wanted full-scale revenge, destruction of everything they held dear. I wanted to revisit every humiliating indignity they put me through. However, instead of total war, I settled for small-scale vandalism. I used my house key to scratch fuck the gossets onto the driver's side door of their black pickup truck. I knew this would hurt. Their truck was their pride and joy, and I may as well scratch it under their mom's forehead. I knew why they were coming after me, and I didn't want to contemplate what they'd do if they found me. I took back roads and kept my eyes peeled the whole trip to the grocery store. I locked up my bike outside the grocery store, bought a family-sized pack of raw chicken wings, and packed them into my bike's saddlebag. I made a quick detour back home to pick up a soft blanket. I biked back to the girl with the supplies in tow. I found the culvert, sloshed through the muddy tunnel, and re-entered the grotto. Levin was there, still perched against the damp brick wall. I got your chicken wings. I saw, and her face lit up. 
How do you want me to cook them? I've never made them before, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Yes, I should have cooked them when I grabbed the blanket. Oh, yeah, I brought you a blanket. I felt like I was talking a mile a minute. Thank you, but no. They must be raw. Also, she hesitated, looking embarrassed. I cannot feed myself without your help. You want me to feed you raw chicken wings? Yes, please. But won't you get sick? I hear salmonella is real nasty. You'll be throwing up for days. No, I'll be fine. My mother used to feed them to me a long time ago. Okay, I said. If you say so. I put the first slimy wing up to her mouth and was shocked how quickly she devoured the morsel. It's like the meat was vacuumed up. She rapidly ingested the whole wing, bone and all. I did my best to hold back gagging. Soon, the only thing left in the styrofoam container was the red residue of chicken blood. I waited for her to finish her last gulp before I spoke. Levin, will you answer some questions for me now? She grimaced. I'm sorry, Matthew, but I'm so tired. So wary. Her eyes fluttered and her already weak voice began to taper off. I haven't eaten in a long time. I need to regain my strength. Come back tomorrow. I'll tell you everything. I promise. Okay, I said, more than a little disappointed. I have school, so I'll be back in the afternoon. Her fatigue was replaced with an abrupt seriousness. Listen to me. You did not find me by accident. I have a warning and you must listen very carefully. Tomorrow, the gossips will find you and they will hurt you. They'll hurt you badly. You cannot, must not hide from them. You will think hiding will postpone the pain, but you need to face it head on. When you hurt the most, do not seek the aid of others. Come back to me. Only I can help you. Okay, that doesn't sound good. I'll be back tomorrow, but you gotta start answering questions. I don't feel right leaving a kid down here alone in the sewer. I carefully wrapped the blanket around her. She's so small, the blanket enveloped her. Before leaving, I turned around and saw she was already drifting to sleep. I asked, Can you tell me just one thing? What are you? I'm a unicorn, she said. I didn't sleep at all that night. My mind was awash with dread and adrenaline-fed anxiety. If Levin was right, then the gossips were going to hurt me, worse than ever. I'd been bruised and beat up before, but it sounded like a whole new level of awful. What if she was wrong? Could I trust her? She knew things that she shouldn't have known. She was stuck in the grotto, yet she knew my name. She knew about the gossips, and she knew that I did something that would direct their rage against me. I sensed that there was something innately magical about her, but it was an elusive feeling I couldn't pinpoint. She kept turning over in my mind, 
I didn't know whether she was a deformed innocent child or a monster dwelling in the sewers. She said she was a unicorn, but unicorns aren't real. They have four legs, not malformed flippers. I should have called the police, sent someone to help her, but she was so insistent that I didn't. I promised. The next morning, I commenced my death march to school. The bell rang as I arrived. Dominating the parking lot was Gossett's big black pickup truck. It looked like someone had taken a sander to the driver's side door. It was all scratched up, but my message was no longer legible. I swallowed hard and went to class. It was lunchtime, and I was in the hallway next to my locker when I first saw them. There was a palpable tension in the air, and no one met my eyes. They all knew an unspeakable cruelty was about to play out. When the gossets appeared, everyone hastily cleared out. Both wore coarse denim jackets, and their guts hung over ostentatious belt buckles. The only way to tell them apart was that boy gosset wore a large cowboy hat, while Clint wore a Confederate flag bandana. They both smiled the same toothy grin, and they had murder in their eyes. There was no introductory talk before they started beating me. I came to the shocking epiphany that until this present violence, they'd been holding back. Each successive blow introduced me to a new experience of pain. I felt parts of me pop and crack that I didn't know existed. Blood dripped down my face, into my eyes, my mouth. I could feel one of them holding my arms back while the other pulverized my stomach in a manic onslaught of punches and cheap shots. I lost track of time as my consciousness flickered. I gained a moment of clarity when the merciless barrage finally stopped. I was face down on the ground and spat a lot of blood into the dirt. This ain't over, you little shit, said Clint. His brother leaned over me and spat a wad of chewing tobacco onto my bloodied face. They both threw their heads back, laughing and left. I convulsed and I vomited onto the ground. I sat up and tried without success to wipe the gore from my eyes. I was alone. There were no spectators for this atrocity. I tried to stand up, but my knees buckled and I collapsed back to the ground. I needed medical attention soon. I should have gone to the emergency room and seen a doctor, but then I remembered what the unicorn said. When you hurt the most, do not seek the aid of others. Come back to me. Only I can help you. I had to go to her. It was a long way back to the grotto. Every inch sent pain pulsing through me, reminding me in explicit terms the thrashing I'd endured. A deep cut on my brow kept reopening, sending a cascade of warm liquid down my face. Eventually, I arrived at the drainage ditch, and struggling to put one foot ahead of the other, I returned to her. She was in the same spot, the blanket still wrapped around her. She was alarmed but not surprised when she saw me limp inside. I collapsed under the pool of water beside her, broken and exhausted. I'm sorry, she said, but it'll all be worth it, you'll see.
Now sink into oblivion and let the waters heal you. I mumbled something incoherent and I lost consciousness. I awoke some time later. My mind was immediately flooded with memories of the assault. I braced myself for the expected rush of agony, but it did not arrive. Miraculously, I wasn't in pain. If anything, I felt great, revitalized, like I slept in on a weekend. I sat up, completely baffled, and saw Levin gazing at me. What? What the hell happened? I asked. You're very special, Matthew. The waters have restored you. What? How? I sat up. Clothes were disheveled and damp with sewer water and God knows what else. I collected my thoughts. I definitely preferred being unharmed and soaked with sewer water over being half dead and bleeding out, but it just felt so unnatural. I remembered she promised to answer my question, so I started with the main one. Who are you? I'm Levin. Yes, I know that, I said. Where are your parents? Who named you? My mother named me. She had another name picked out, but when she saw my stubby, malformed limbs, fused fingers, and missing thumbs, she changed her mind. Why would she do that? I asked. She grew up during a bad time and learned how to understand the world from bad people. While I was still in the womb, my mother suffered from terrible morning sickness. It was caused by me. She took medicine every day called thalidomide. It promised to help make her feel better, and it worked, but then there were side effects. I was a side effect. She loathed me. The only time she held me was when she picked me up with her old gardening gloves. She thought touching me would taint her. I was kept hidden away in a dark bedroom, away from prying eyes. She said she wanted to euthanize me, but this was after the war, and that wasn't allowed anymore. Wait, war? How old are you? Older than you. No, you're not. You're just a kid. Where's your mom now? She grimaced, and a fatigued frown crossed her face. I've said enough for now. But I have tons more to ask. Listen to me, Matthew. I have one more thing to tell you tomorrow. Look to the horizon. You must follow the brimstone rainbow. There... Your vengeance awaits. All you need to do is give it a push. The brimstone rainbow? What does that mean? And push what? I asked. She didn't respond. Her eyes were already shut. I biked home feeling surprisingly elated. I should be a crumpled heap on the hospital bed. Instead, I feel great. I'd heard the legend that unicorns possessed magical healing powers, but I never guessed it would take the form of sewer water. I had no idea what a brimstone rainbow was, but if Levin told me to find it, I'd do my best. I had a vivid dream that night.
There was a room filled with medical equipment. The walls and roof looked like a run-down greenhouse. In the middle of the room, there were six clearly pregnant women in an evenly spaced circle. Each was harnessed to an upright chair, feeding tubes, snaked underneath black hoods that covered and obscured their faces. Somehow I knew they were all in a medically induced coma. I saw one woman stirring into wakefulness, and I injected her with barbiturates. I waited for the peace to return. Beside me was a long row of shelves covered in glass jars. Inside each jar there was a malformed child swimming in a broth of formaldehyde. I knew these were our collection of failures and that soon we would get the formula right. I'd make the unicorn proud. As long as we obtained more thalidomide. I went to the fridge and pulled a large plate of raw chicken wings. It was dinner time. I woke up and tried to brush off the post-stream disorientation, but the visions lingered. I brought every detail into wakefulness. What the hell did I just witness? By noon, I was back on my bike, scanning the horizon. I circled the town, not entirely sure what I was looking for, but confident that I'd know if I saw it. I was on the outskirts of town when it appeared. Instead of a beautiful spectrum of colors, there was only one. The color of bright urine. It arched across the sky, and it appeared to make a landfall a few kilometers ahead of me. I wondered if anyone else could see it. I aimed my bike in its general direction and pedaled. Unlike a normal rainbow, it didn't move forward with me. Instead, as I approached it, it grew bigger and bigger. It had a clear endpoint, and I'd be there soon. The closer I got, the more I could smell sulfur, like a thousand rotten eggs. At the end of the brimstone rainbow was a black pickup truck. It was unmistakable. It was the gossets. I hid my bike behind a tree and tried to scope it out. The truck was parked on top of a large hill overlooking a rock quarry. In front of it was a steep decline and a 100-foot drop to a pile of rubble. I looked closely, but I didn't see the gossets anywhere. I heard they had a still out here, so I kept my eyes peeled. I knew they had to be near. Is this what Levin was referring to? Is this my vengeance? What exactly was I expected to do here? And then I remembered Levin's words. All you need to do is give it a push. It hit me like a slap in the face. I was here to push the truck into the quarry. That would show those bastards. King Obscenities was nothing compared to this. This was total war. I cautiously snuck up to the truck. The gossets were still nowhere to be seen. I opened the driver's side door and the cab was empty. I hopped in, released the parking brake, and set the gear shift to neutral. My heart pounding, I raced to the rear of the truck and heaved with all my strength. It took a monumental effort to get it moving, but once it started, it quickly built up momentum and sped down the hill. This is when I saw two faces emerge from the back window. The gossets 
had been sleeping in the back of the truck underneath the canopy. They pushed their hands and faces against the glass in a desperate attempt to get out of the truck before it disappeared from sight off the cliff. I heard a loud crash moments later. I ran to the ledge and looked down. The truck had crumpled like a tin can. There was no way they could have survived. Likely they were squashed, piles of leaking viscera. How have I done? I had no idea this was going to happen. I've killed them. Did anyone see? No, there was no one around. The brimstone rainbow had disappeared and the smell of sulfur was gone. I left as quickly as my wobbling legs would allow. I had to see the unicorn. I pushed my leg muscles past their limits and pedaled like a man possessed. The rain was really coming down now. It pelted my face and left short-lived pockmarks on the road ahead. I approached the culvert and saw the drainage ditch was starting to fill with water. I ducked down to the tunnel and entered the grotto. Levin was in the same fixed position, but she looked different. Her look of exhaustion had been replaced with a beaming smile. Levin, I think something terrible has happened, I said. No, Matthew, what you did was necessary. They both deserved to die for what they did to you, she said. Chills traced their way down my spine. I couldn't believe I was hearing those words from the mouth of a smiling child. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Did you know this was going to happen? It's all been written in the stars. Sometimes the wicked have to die for their transgressions. Transgressions? What does that even mean? My mother brought me here, Matthew, years ago. The last time I saw the sky was when I was taken out of the trunk of her car. She carried me into this chamber, always wearing those rogue gardening gloves. She sat me upright in this exact spot and left me here to die. I'm so sorry, I said. Don't be. Before she left, she must have felt a pang of guilt because she leaned over to give me a kiss first and only of its kind. But she was wicked, and she had transgressed, so I stabbed her in the heart with my horn. What are you saying? She died in here for what she did to me, and for years I watched her rot. She's under that pile of leaves behind you. He turned around and saw a suspicious lump I had not noticed before. But it had to happen, just as it had to happen to the Cossett brothers, she said. No, what I did was an accident. I just wanted to fuck up their truck. I know about your dream, Matthew. You were in the greenhouse tending to the brood mothers. It was a preview of your future. You see, our fates are tied, and together we will enact vengeance upon those who call us monsters. The rain from outside started to fill the chamber. If the rain kept up, this chamber would fill and Levin would be submerged. No, I shouted. I don't want any part of this. I turned away from Levin and left the grotto and went into the pummeling rain outside. I mounted my bike and made for home. I left her there to die. A child who was not a child. 
guilt I felt pervaded every waking thought. What I did or failed to do was the most unconscionable thing imaginable. A week passed before I returned to the sewer entrance, but when I arrived it was flooded with three feet of water. I can only assume the unicorn was trapped inside the watery grave. I left an anonymous tip on the police line that a little girl had died in the sewers. I heard a few days later that her body had been recovered. However, it wasn't a recently deceased girl that they found, rather it was a decomposed skeleton. The local newspaper said that it was a woman in her late thirties and that she was found wearing gardening gloves. The death was ruled as suspicious. One month later, and still all I could think about was the unicorn. I could have saved her, but I didn't. She didn't deserve to die, not like the Gossets. I had to attend an assembly in their honor. I had to sit through all the bullshit speeches and endure the undeserved praise heaped upon those scum. I was glad they were dead. It felt guilty at first for my part in their deaths, but eventually I came around. I was starting to think that maybe Levin was right. Maybe we needed to punish the wicked for their transgressions. Seeing my classmates upset that the worst two people on the planet were dead made me realize that there were a lot of wicked people out there. Levin was right about a lot of things. Maybe I should have stuck by her. After the assembly, I made a detour to the drainage ditch. It was torn up after it was discovered to be a crime scene. When I arrived, I smelled sulfur. I scanned the horizon and saw its source. There was a brimstone rainbow off in the distance. I hopped on my bike and set that repulsive urine-colored arch as my destination. The rainbow ended at an isolated and abandoned acreage outside of town. At the center was an old greenhouse. I went inside and was immediately struck by its familiarity. It was the greenhouse from my dream. Here I cared for the brood mothers and the jars filled with failures. Here I toiled toward the future the unicorn had seen in the stars. Here I plotted to punish the wicked for their transgressions. I took in the whole building and realized that this is where my destiny lay. <laughs>